Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. He came like a winter snow, soft, quiet, slow. Let's think about that for a minute. He came in hiddenness, hiddenness, hidden in an obscure village, an obscure time in history, born to a peasant woman. Why did God come in hiddenness? Why did he come seeming like we had to look to find him? He didn't come as a deliverer, but he came as a dependent. He didn't come in power. He came in pampers. (laughs) Why? Why would he come quiet and soft and slow? Our God is full of surprises, isn't he? Full of surprises. I love one of my favorite things at Christmas as a dad is to pull a play from the Christmas story. You guys, if anybody watched it this season, yeah, the Christmas story. Am I the only one? Nobody has watched it in here? Seriously? No? Oh, there we go. Okay, some people up there. Love this movie, and uh, I love, you know, after the presents have been open, and we're sitting around the Christmas tree, and we're just eating some breakfast, and it seems like all the presents are gone, and yet I know they're, they're not. There's another one somewhere, and you get a kind of like, what, what's that behind the piano over there, kids? What's going on? What's, what's over there? And the anticipation of the best present, maybe, the Red Rider BB gun present, (laughs) hidden. God has hidden his best present. He's hidden his best present himself for us to find. Are you open to God surprising you this Christmas? Let me just start there this morning. Are you open to God? Maybe, maybe you have a wish list of, of things you think Christmas should be, the way it should go, the way it, Christmas dinner should happen, the way the morning should happen, the way your tradition should happen. Are you open to God surprising you, doing something unexpected? Because that's what he does. He does the unexpected, and we're going to read about an unexpected response that he gives his disciples today. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for coming in such an unexpected way to remind us that you're a God of surprises, to remind us that you have a plan, and it's not our plan. Your plan's far better than our plan. 
And so we, we just ask today, God, that you'd even surprise us this morning through your word. God, you'd speak to our hearts, you'd minister to us in a really personal way. I know it's not an accident that we're here today to talk with you, to talk about you, to get to know you. God, you've drawn us to this place, so surprise us by your love this morning. In your name, amen. We're going to turn to Mark 10, and uh, I'm Jono. I didn't get to introduce myself, but I'm one of the pastors here, if I haven't met you yet. Um, John is, uh, he's, he's up doing a very important thing in Oakland. The Raiders are having their last game <laughs> in Oakland, and John's part of the Raider Nation, so you know his buddies got together. They said, we can't miss this. Dan Biederman, I think, is up there, a few other Raider fans, but the Raider Nation you know, is in full effect, and we'll accept his forgiveness later for that. Um, but uh, we're going to look at Mark 10. We're in a series called The Barn, Barn to Table. I'm going to explain that in just a minute. But Mark 10, 35 through 45, listen along and follow. Maybe you have your Bible, open that up. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us Whatever we ask, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus said. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other sit at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right hand or left, this is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant. And James, with James and John, Jesus called them together and he said this, you know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You might be thinking, this, this isn't really a Christmas passage. Isn't Christmas in like a week or something? It's not. It's not a Christmas passage. It's, it's a why did he come passage. Why did Jesus come? And we're in this series uh, called Barn to Table. We're, we're beginning with the end in mind. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? He came to die and to bring us to his table. That, that's why he showed up. That's why he came, and he makes that really clear in this passage. So we are, we're going to look at the story together briefly. You probably heard this story a few times. It says, then James and John came to Jesus. When you see a then, you've got to kind of look back. What, what just happened? Jesus just got finished telling his disciples for the third time. He's driving it home. The third time. I'm going to die. I'm going to the cross. 
I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be flogged. It's going to be over. And then I'm going to come back in three days. So he just lays out the master plan that he came to do. And James and John come to him. And isn't it crazy what they ask him? Did you, did you just, did that, did that to throw you off guard a little bit? We want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> did that just, everything he said, it just go over his head? Did they go over their head? We want you to do whatever we ask. You know, on one hand, it's easy to, to kind of be like, are they that dumb? To, to ask that question after what he just said. But on the other hand, I was kind of like, that's a lot of faith. Man, they have a lot of faith that Jesus is going to do what he said he's going to do, right? What if we prayed with that kind of faith? Jesus, I, you, you can do anything you want. If I ask anything in your name, God, you're going to do it. Will you do it? I wonder how our prayer life would be a little different if we asked Jesus with that kind of faith. And I love Jesus. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't, he doesn't shame them for asking this question. He just says, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you? I wonder if they were like, he said yes. What, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to ask him? What, is it that? No, 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 no. Yes. That. Okay, Jesus, we want you to make us CEO and CFO of, of your kingdom. That's what we want. Right, left, CFO, CEO. How's that sound? And Jesus just, again, grace and truth, he says, you have no idea what that means. You have no idea what you're asking right now. And he tells them about the cup of suffering and the baptism of humiliation, the full immersion that he is going to experience, the greatest, hardest, worst death and humiliation possible. And he says, if, if you want me to lead you, I, I'm the chief suffering officer. I'm the CSO of this kingdom. And, and if you want me to lead you, it's, it's there. That's where I'm going. I'm suffering. I'm going to serve. An unexpected answer, don't you think? I, I don't know what the disciples responded, really. We just know that the other disciples were angry that James and John got there first and asked him that question, you know, what is God planning, you know? When we get confused, when, we, when life throws us an unexpected curveball, we need to remember God's track record. It's good. He's got a plan. He's full of surprises. So Jesus gets to the punchline. This is what we're going we're gonna to focus on this morning just because it's so clear. I did not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. What does this mean? You ever thought about it? What does it mean that Jesus came to serve many? The first thing that, that I'm just, it, it means he came to serve us. I mean, the many is us. This is this is, you are the many. He came to serve you. Let that sink in for just a moment. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, stepped down out of heaven into this earth 
as a baby, lived a really uncomfortable life to serve you. He came to serve you. He didn't come just to tell you who he was. He could have sent a book to do that, right? He actually came as a person to show you who he is. He came to show you and to serve you to remove every single barrier that's between us and God. How does he serve? How does he serve us? You ever think about Jesus serving you? What does that look like? You know, he didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to set up a bunch of rules and regulations and things to follow to to get into heaven. He came to serve and to give his life. The king came not to get on a throne, but to get on a cross. That's the ultimate service, really. It's that he got on the cross and, and he took all of our debt. He took everything, everything you've ever done wrong, everything you've ever thought wrong, every evil in the world. He took it all on himself. He took it. That's his service. That's the ultimate service, right? That he wiped the slate totally clean. And yet he continues to serve. It's not just a one-time service. This is a continual service, right? Jesus says that he sent his spirit. He sent his very spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live in us, to to serve us 24-7, 365. We have his spirit ready to minister to us, the helper, the counselor, I had some customer service experiences this week that were less than ideal, we'll just say. <laughs> People being closed at random times or they were supposed to show up. You know when you call the utility company and they're supposed to be there between, oh, we'll be there between 9 and 5. <laughs> like, that's really helpful. So I just sit at the door waiting for you the whole day and then they didn't show up. It's so frustrating and you're like, Wow, it reminded me to just praise God that he is always available. God's spirit is always available at any moment. He is willing, he is ready to minister to you and to me. He's with you, he's connected. That's how he serves you. If you need to be lifted out of the depths, he's ready. If you need peace, he's ready. If you need, if you need wisdom for something, he's ready. He's right there. He's with you. He's ready to offer whatever you need in the moment. That's what God does. He serves. He ministers. Let me ask you this. Have you let Jesus serve you? Have you let him serve you? That's really the start of this whole journey with Jesus is letting him serve you. It it takes humility, doesn't it? It's hard to let someone serve you. I'm a number two, Enneagram. I like to be the one that's needed, that's serving. I, I don't want to be served, you know. It's hard. It's, it takes humility. But Jesus was really clear. If you, if you want life with me, you got to let me serve you. you gotta, you got to let me take your sins. you got to humbly say, I, I need you to serve me. Remember Jesus and the disciples when, when he was washing Peter's feet? or washing the disciples' feet, and Peter got to the front of the line, and he's like, no, 
I can't, you can't wash my feet. That's ridiculous. And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. No part. Have you let Jesus serve you? That's what this table is all about that we're celebrating this month and every month. It's about Jesus serving you again and again and accepting his service. Have you opened up your life to the service of Jesus? He wants to. He wants to bring you that peace and bring you that freedom. He wants to save you. He wants to save you from yourself. Save me from myself. That's what it looks like to be served. The second thing I want to talk about this morning is is that Jesus came. He came to serve us, but he also came to make us ready for it. Servants. He came to make us servants. You might be thinking, that's awesome. Thanks. There's four words that you just underline in your Bible or highlight on your, on your Bible app if you want. Four words in this passage. Not so with you. Not so with you. Jesus says to James and John, they, he says, you know, the world, this is how the world does it. They lord it over. They, take, they try to grab power and they exercise authority. And Jesus says, not so with you. You are to be different You are to serve. If you want to be the greatest, be the least. In my kingdom, there's a badge for serving. Not for leading. There's a badge for serving. That's what it's about. One of the things that identifies us, Jesus is saying as Christians, is that our desire to serve, it's part of our identity, that we're servants does that make you squirm a little bit? You see yourself as a servant? Would you ever describe yourself to someone as a servant? It's interesting when you look in Paul's letters, most of his letters, a lot of them start with Paul, comma, a servant. That's the first thing he says about himself. Paul, comma, a servant. Wow. Do I see myself as a servant. You know, we like the phrase servant leader. We, we're just, we're, we're even, we, we can't handle the word servant. We had to attach leader to it. So servant leader, you know, it's just too humiliating to just be the servant. Jesus never used that word, servant leader. He just used the word servant. Everyone wants to lead. No one wants to be a servant. Does that make you squirm just a little bit? It does me. Who wants to be called a servant? You know, we love our identity as a child of God, as an heir to the kingdom, as God's masterpiece, as work of art. We revel in those parts of our identity, but this is also part of our identity. We're servants. We're called to serve. 1 Corinthians 3.5 says, You are simply God's servants. 
2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, Jesus came that those who live would no longer live for themselves. He came that those who live would no longer live for themselves. They would be servants. You see, sin makes us live for ourselves, and Jesus came so we don't have to live for ourselves anymore. Right? Maturity is for ministry. That's, that's why we grow in Christ is so that we can give. Serving is really where we experience God's unexpected blessings. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about vacations in, in light of this and how we, we spend lots of, I've gone on lots of vacations in my 45 years of life. And, and most vacations we save up and we, we spend a lot of money to go and be served but I have to say, when I look back at my vacations, the ones that were the most memorable and the most joyful and the most powerful were the ones where I actually went and served someone else in Ecuador or in Mexico or in Albania. You know, having the opportunity to, to serve, is there's something unexpected that you receive in serving. There's a joy, there's a life when you pour out that you get back tenfold. It's real. You know, there's maybe you've heard of uh, the, the two bodies of water in Israel. There's Galilee and there's the Dead Sea. And Galilee has the Jordan River runs into it and the Jordan River runs out of it into the Dead Sea where nothing runs out of the Dead Sea. And it's dead for a reason because nothing's going out. There's no outpouring, but there's life and there's, there's, uh, it's teeming with life, Galilee is. And it's just a great illustration that, that how God created us to, to be vessels where we're, we're, we're served by him and then we serve other people. And that's, that's how we experience his, his amazing life. God measures your greatness not by how many people serve you, but by how many people you serve. Rick Warren said that. It's a different measure of greatness. And so Jesus came to make us servants. I just want you to, just for a moment, just, just try that on. Try that on. Try that hat on for a second. Turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm here to serve you. Let me just say that to your neighbor. <laughs> Anybody get uncomfortable with that? Hopefully you didn't say, yeah, you are. You are here to serve me. That's right. <laughs> if you said that to your spouse, you're wrong. You're here to serve. That's what Jesus wants you to experience, his service in your life. And, and he wants you to be a servant. He created you to be a servant. It's part of your identity. So here's what I want, where I want to go. I remember in seminary them saying discipleship is really a process. It's a process of becoming who you already are. Becoming who you already are in Christ. So you're already free in Christ, but there's a process to becoming free and, and experience freedom. You're already a servant. God has... God has said, I came to make you a servant, and now there's a process to becoming a servant. And I just want to give you a couple of thoughts on, on what this process looks like. The, the first thing is, is just the, it's, it starts in your mind. It starts up here. 
It's really understanding that we're called to serve, that, that that's our job, that's our mission on this earth is to serve. I love Romans 12. Uh, this just came to me this morning, Romans 12, 1 through 3. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. And he says, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in view of God's mercy, keep that in view. Keep in view what he's done for you, how he has served you, how you have been served by Jesus. And that will then give you the freedom to offer your body as a living sacrifice. And how does it start? It starts by renewing our mind by remembering what he's done for us, remembering who he is, remembering the amazing gifts he's given us. I think a lot of us don't serve just because we, we, we don't think there's enough time to serve, right? There's not enough time or money or whatever it is. And I came across, across this quote from Lynn Twist. She wrote a book. Um, it's actually on money, but I think it's, it's so applicable to serving that I want to read it for us because I really connected with it. Listen to this quote. For me, and for many of us, our first waking thought of the day. Anybody else? I didn't get enough sleep. Anybody else think that when they wake up? Seriously. It's like, oh, I need two more hours. The next one, I don't have enough time. Those are... those. That is how we live our life, isn't it? These two thoughts come into our head. Whether they're true or not, that thought of not enough occurs to us automatically before we even think to question or examine it. We spend most of the hours and days of our lives hearing, explaining, complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. I think we are all victim of this. We, we all let this in, this scarcity mindset. This internal condition of scarcity, this mindset of scarcity, lives at the very heart of our jealousies, our greed, our prejudice, and our arguments with life. And I would add our lack of a willingness to serve. This mindset that we don't have enough. It's wrong. In view of God's mercy, we need God to transform our mind so we can think there is plenty. God is abundant. His riches are amazing. He's given me so much. He's given me more than I could ever ask or imagine. He can do it all. He is enough. That's where gratitude is, is so important to just practice, the practice of gratitude. So it starts in our mind, but it's worked out in our bodies, how we become a servant. It starts up here, but it's worked out in our hands, in our feet. You know, we call this discipline, the D word. Anybody else like discipline here? You know, I can think all I want about going to the gym. I can think about it. I can believe it. I can um, just visualize it in my mind, me lifting weights and getting on that treadmill and doing whatever I do at the gym. 
But until I get there, it doesn't do anything for me, does it? No. I can think all I want about it, but I need to commit and I need to actually go and do it. That's called discipline. We learn to be a servant through discipline. Listen to Luke 9.23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must pick up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus reminds us that we daily need to lay our lives down. This is what it is to follow Jesus. It's a, it's a daily, I'm going to lay my life down today, Jesus. I, I got to serve you. I'm going to serve other people. This is how I serve you. We don't serve just when we feel like it. It's a, it's a discipline in our life. I love what Henry Cloud says. He says, where, where maturity lacks, set up external structures. Where maturity lacks, set up external structures. Most of us just aren't mature enough. I know I'm not to just go serve every day to, to set. I, I need to set those structures in my life. I need to decide where am I going to serve this week or this day? Or how am I going to commit to something that I'm going to actually be, be in the place of service where external structures, where, where maturity lack, set up external structures. It really is a spiritual discipline. And uh, that's, that's just where I want to bring us to close here, is thinking about the discipline of service. That as we've experienced the service of Jesus in us, as we've experienced his grace and his mercy and the abundance, and I, we need to set up disciplines of service in our life. Listen to this quote by Richard Foster. This has just rocked me this week. It's so good. It's from the Celebration of Discipline. And this is, uh, I'm going to finish up here. Of all the classical spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. When we set out on a consciously chosen chorus of action that accents the good of others, and is, for the most part, a hidden work, a deep change occurs in our spirits. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. The flesh whines against service, but screams against hidden service. The flesh whines against service, but screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. It will devise subtle, religiously acceptable means to call attention to the service rendered. If we stoutly refuse to give in to this lust of the flesh, we crucify it. Every time we crucify the flesh, we crucify our pride and our arrogance. Serving does something to our soul, something good. It kills things that need to die in us, that discipline. And you know what the secret sauce is? It's secrecy. It's not wanting the attention, not wanting the recognition, the honor, the appreciation. 
that hard? That's hard. That's discipleship. Hidden service. That's where you're going to find God's unexpected blessings. How could you do that this week? What's one way you could just secretly serve somebody else this week? Just think about that for a moment. Who comes to mind? Maybe a neighbor, a colleague. Just commit to it right now. One thing you could do. I think I'm struck by the the patience of Jesus in this passage. His patience. These disciples have been walking with him for three years. They've heard every word. They've seen every act of ministry. And yet they still don't get it. And Jesus is still so patient. And so I, I want to close with just this word, and, and maybe some of you need to hear this this morning, that Jesus isn't frustrated with you. He's not disappointed in your growth. He's not thinking you should be somewhere where you're not. He, you haven't missed his calling. You haven't missed his ministry. You haven't missed what he has planned for you. He, he has unexpected blessings for you. He's got surprises in store as we keep our eyes open, as we, as we experience his service more and more. And we're able to serve. We're able to, to lead a life of service. We're going to come to the table, and there's a few ways. We're going to do this a little different today, the table thing, but there's a few ways to serve this morning that you've already heard about, the the rescue mission, there's some other things on this barn-to-table menu that we've printed out, a special needs party, a community caroling event with some assisted living residents. So there's some ways to serve. There's the tree out there. There's some hidden service in that. Um, But this table, this is about Jesus. This is about letting Jesus serve you and today we're going we're gonna to do it a little differently. We're going to do it. We're going to have some people come up and start us off, and then they're going to serve you. And then you're going to take the elements, and you're going to serve the next person. You're going to serve today. In light of letting Jesus serve you first, you're going to serve others next. And we're going to take communion that way and celebrate that this is, this is what God calls us to. He calls us to a life of serving each other. And that's how we love each other. We get down on our knees and we serve each other. And so you don't have to get down on your knees up here because there's not room for that. But you do just, you're going to grab the elements. And if you've never done this before, it's okay. It's, there's, no, there's no special magic formula for what you need to do or say. We, I, I typically instruct people just to say, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. 
You could do it as a couple. You could serve together as a couple, or you could serve as single. If you're single, that's fine. Um, so you're going to take that. You're going to take communion as someone serves you, and then you're going to hold the elements for someone else. And you say, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. It's an honor. It is a, it's a privilege to be able to hold these elements, these ways that God, that Jesus has served us. His body broken for us, his blood spilled for us. So let's pray, and then let's celebrate communion together at this table, okay? Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful for your ministry to us, God, that you came not to a throne but to a cross. You came to take all our burdens, every single one, God, help us to just open our hearts to your ministry this morning. Would you do that? Would you open our hearts to you? As we take your bread, as we take the cup and remember your suffering, God, may we be filled with encouragement that that you're here, that you're with us, that your spirit is present among us, that you have done it all. There's nothing more to do. There's nothing I could do to earn your favor. There's nothing I could do to earn uh, my, my way to a relationship with you, God, you have done all of it. So I pray for everyone to just experience the ministry of Jesus today through communion. Thank you for calling us to lives of service. Would you give us wisdom? God, give us thoughts on how to do this. How do we serve each other? Thank you for inviting us into that. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to have those who were, uh, were going to start us off come on up here this morning. And then when you're ready, come on up and experience communion together. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.